Money, a podcast network that understands the assignment. The Alive Podcast Network has launched the world's first content distribution app tailored by and for podcasters and listeners of color. Subscribers will enjoy a wide variety of shows ranging from spiritual to comedic to inspirational. Podcasters can house their content and merch in one spot and monetize from a central location. Visit AlivePodcastNetwork.com coming soon to iOS and Android. Sign up today to get a six-month subscription for $20. You can thank me later. Hey, Rainmakers. Welcome to another episode of the Six Figure Side Hustle podcast. I have an incredible guest today. Uh, Jeff Milligan, aka Cashflow Jeff, is going to break down how you can cash flow with these rooming houses, aka medium term rental houses. Um, So if you haven't heard of this strategy, make sure you uh, are ready to take some notes. Jeff, how are you today? Oh, I'm just blessed and highly favored, Sabrina. Thank you so much. I, I appreciate you having me on your podcast. Oh, the pleasure is all mine. I'm really excited to uh, learn about this real estate strategy you have. Um, it's kind of more niche, right? You would say? Yes, it's, it, it is definitely a niche. It's a niche that I've been doing for some years that a lot of people, um, when I first started it, like 22 years ago, people were like, rooming houses, really? But um, yeah, I, it, it's been lucrative throughout my whole life, my real estate uh, investing career. Okay, so this is a strategy that has obviously stood the test of time. You said this is the strategy you got into 22 years ago. Yeah. Um, how'd you get into real estate? I guess let's start. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, great. So I'd like to always start with my story because my story is just, it's, it's incredible to me when I think about where I came from. So I grew up in Trenton, New Jersey. Um, I, I just jumped right into it. I was a crack addict, alcoholic, a drug abuser, and um, I, I, I couldn't see my way out, didn't think I would ever be able to get out. Well, I came down to Atlanta, and when I first got down to Atlanta, I was doing the same stuff that I was doing up there. So you can take and make geographical changes, but you take you wherever you go. So since you take you wherever you go, if you don't change your mind, then you won't change anything. So it took me about six months. Um, I went to rehab six times in six months. And finally, after the last time uh, during that six month, I finally got myself together and I picked up a book one day. I was selling computers. Let me go there first. I was selling computers to the government and um, I was working for this small business woman and And I picked up this book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I read the book by Robert Kiyosaki. Um, The information in the book was just amazing. And it was telling you if you wanted to be rich, then you had to either own a business or um, uh, have a business where people were working for you, which is a real business. Um, Or you had to invest in the stock market and actually you would have to really in order to really really work with the stock market you really had some inside trading i didn't want to do any of that real estate was my thing uh there was this old guy named carlton sheets he used to be on tv all the time long time ago you could buy houses this and that so finally um one of his infomercials i went to i picked up a carlton sheets uh package and i just dug in And that's how I started into real estate. So I was coming out of drug rehab and I wanted to help other people who were coming out of drug rehab because they actually needed uh, a place to stay when they got out of rehab. So actually what happened was I was, I was, I was buying a building 
that I could put people in from drug rehab. Well, the people who worked in the drug rehab had also been in rehab with me. And to kind of say it, they was hating a little bit. They didn't want to give me any uh, 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 clients to come into my place. So I just started renting my place by myself to different people who needed rooms, people who couldn't afford apartments, but they could afford a room. So that's how I first started. And next thing you know, this thing just took off, you know, and what my strategy was at that time, I was like, well, you know what? If I could make at least $2,000 a month profit from each property and I get like 20 properties, then I'm making $40,000 a month. And so that's what I set out to do. I ended up with about 15 properties and I think I was making somewhere around $20,000 a month because I found out that not all properties actually worked. Uh, meaning that properties that were like two bedroom, one bath, um, three bedroom bath, they didn't kind of work for the niche that I had. So um, anyway, I can get into that later, but that's how I got started. Okay, so this is around the year 2000, about that you bought your first property? Absolutely, yep, 2000, yes. Oh, I'm just curious. So you got out of drug rehab. You're living in Atlanta, and how, how were you able to buy a property? Usually you wouldn't think of, you know, being a qualified property owner. So I'm just curious how you were able to acquire that first property. Um, okay, so while I was working, um, selling computers uh, to the government, I was making money. I was making a hundred grand a, a year. So um, I did save up yeah. some, pardon me? While you were in the midst of your addiction, you were making- Oh, no, 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 no. This was after my addiction. I'm sorry, this was after my addiction. Um, my addiction actually ended in 1990. Okay. 1991. My addiction, my addiction ended in 1991. So um, I was working in a jewelry store like Zell's. I was working in Zell's jewelry store while I was in rehab. And I was saving my money up to get a car because um, I have a, a, a bachelor's degree in management information systems. So I got a little bit of education. <laughs> so, so you know, I, but I was working in Zell's jewelry store making minimum wage. And I, I was just there until I could get up enough money to purchase a car. Then I could get back to what I was doing in New Jersey, which was selling computers to the, uh, corporations and government. And so I saved the money up, bought me a car got to work in um, selling computers to the corporations, uh, but more government than corporations. And so I made some money. I lost some money in the stock market. I lost like $12,000 when they was doing the dot-com uh, day trading stuff. And I was like, man, this is not for me. This is just like gambling. And I don't gamble. I can't stand gambling. And so I, I didn't like that. So that's why I knew that I had to do something different. And when I picked up that book, that kind of led me to real estate. So to answer your question, though, I went and got a loan. <laughs> so that's what I did. I got a loan to purchase the property. And um, that's how I started. Okay. So your first property, how many bedrooms was that? Because the rooming houses are based on more so beds, not bedrooms. Correct. Yeah. Well, it's it's it can be on both. But um, my my strategy was based on bedrooms because I put one person in the room. There are some agencies that may come to you and they may want to put two people in the room and they'll pay for each person like that. Some government agencies. So mine was bad. So it was a duplex. So the guy who I purchased it from, he already had a rooming house. He already had it as a rooming house. The downstairs was five bedrooms, three baths. The upstairs was three bedroom, one bath. The upstairs he was renting as a whole unit. 
downstairs he was renting by the room. And so I went in and did a little bit of, um, you know, clean up or what have you. And then I started renting by the room also downstairs. And I tried the same thing he was doing, renting upstairs by, you know, the whole unit. I didn't like that. It didn't really work as well um, because the person I put in there, the family I put in there, when they didn't pay after a couple of months, then I had to put the whole family out. And then I wasn't getting any money at all from the upstairs. So I just turned the upstairs into uh, uh, rooms too. So now I got eight rooms uh, from this particular place. And I'm getting at least, I think back then it was about $2,500 to $3,000 profit per month from from that particular room in house, yes. About how much does each room go for let's say now. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Because that's a long time. Uh, we go back there. We might be talking about 400, $500. People be like, what? You can't make a living off of that. Now rooms now from anywhere from like, uh, $800 a month up to, I got rooms that go for 1500 a month. Really? So, yeah. So, so yeah. So I have, I have a, I have a different um, category or uh, blend of clients, if you will. So yeah. I have yeah. some folks. Okay. So so this is the this is the situation. You can rent to students. Okay. You can rent to students. College students will pay anywhere from nine hundred dollars a month to $1,400 a month, say, um, in between. It just depends on where your place is located and, um, and and the size of the room, if it got its own bathroom, that type of thing. Now, right. then you can rent to also uh, flight attendants and pilots. Pilots going to want their own section, what have you. But flight attendants, they do what's called crash pads. So a crash pad is... You can put three to four people in one room. And the reason why you can do this is because they are never there at the same time. They fly in and out of, say, Atlanta, Hartsfield, Jackson Airport. And while some of them may be there, the other ones are somewhere else around the world. So when you're renting to flight attendants, you, you only charge about 400 to $500 uh, per person. But if you got three in a room, three to four in a room, you're getting 1500 to $2,000 a month for so one they, room. Right. So the flight attendants, you would be renting the flight attendants who live in other cities, correct? And they're just kind of paying. Yes, absolutely. They, okay. they live in other cities, but, but they're based in, say, Atlanta. Right. So Delta. Delta. They have flight attendants that live in other cities, but Delta is the hub here in Atlanta, so they fly in and out of Atlanta a lot. Like I just came back from the um uh the Maldives, but I went to also Kuala Lumpur. Well, when coming from Kuala Lumpur, that whole thing, that's a 15-hour flight. So there was about mm, I think about 12 flight attendants maybe on that flight. And so when they came into Atlanta, they can't go right back out and get back on another plane. So they have to stay for like at least 24 hours or so. So they go to a crash pad and they stay for like two days or what have you until they go back out again. Are they, are the flight attendants, and I'm asking because I just bought a property five minutes from the Philadelphia airport. So you got that's some money. Uh, are the flight attendants the ones who you're contracting with, or is it the airlines that are renting it for them so they have a place to stay? No, it's the flight attendants. Yeah, the flight attendants. Yes, yes. That, that's who. Yes. If you're five minutes from um, Philly Airport, Yes, you definitely may want to look into that. So, so, so that, so that's another group there. Okay. Then you have 
just what I call the transient people. People who come from California, Chicago, New York, L.A., wherever, and they want to move here to Atlanta. I'm using Atlanta because I live in Atlanta. However, you could do this in any city that you're at. Okay, people who come in and they don't want to rent an apartment right away because they want to find out more about the city, but where they live. And so they don't want to be constricted for a whole, say, 12 months to this one area when they can actually rent a room because we do rent rooms month to month. Okay, so they can rent a room month to month and they can stay for a while while they get around the city and see where they actually want to live. And so those people will come in and they will also pay anywhere from 800 to say 1300 a month, just depend on how much money that they are actually making. So uh, they will come in too. Go ahead. And they, they're, I guess the cause that they would want to rent a room is so they're not locked in. They have that flexibility because I mean, it just sounds like, and I guess I'm not adjusted to 2022 pricing, but that's for, you know, for a room, but that's what you're making. So that's what it is. It's just, that's, that's very interesting. This is the situation. As you know, yesterday price is not today's price. <laughs> right? So so what's happening now is that prices, the rental prices have gone up tremendously. That's the first thing. The second thing is there is a housing shortage. So since there's a housing shortage, people cannot find houses to rent. They can't find them because they're not out there because of what happened with COVID. COVID slowed down all the building of houses. So there's a housing shortage too. So with a shortage, of course, the rent goes up. So rent has risen tremendously and you cannot find a house. So now people are looking to rent rooms. As long as the place is nice, it looks good and all of that. So my rooms have actually upgraded. I actually upgraded my rooms. They got big flat screen TVs in them. They got high speed, gigabyte speed internet. Um, they got very nice uh, furniture, everything. I actually have designers come in and design my rooms for me. So they look very nice and, and, and clean. And of course, a secret right here for your viewers. The more that you pay, the more that someone pays you, the less problems you have. Right. The people who pay like under 800 or whatever, they, they're a problem. They're problem people. Those are the people that blame everybody for their circumstances. The people that pay over $1,000 or more, they understand. They do whatever they have to do to get there. If, if some kind of situation comes up with them, you don't have to kick them out. They're going to come and tell you, hey, listen, I got a problem. This situation coming out, so I'm going to move. <laughs> you dealing with people under $800? If they got a problem, they can't. Hey, you got to evict me. And, you know, so that's a whole nother thing. So I, I, I. Do you have to go through the eviction process with the month to month leases? You yes, you do. Yes, you do. Yes, with certain people, like I said, certain people you don't have to, certain people you do. But yeah. You have so, to go through eviction? Yes, you have to go through eviction with certain people. So like I said, the people that, that don't pay a lot, you may have to go through eviction with them. Um it's 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 the way that you have it set up though. Okay, interesting. So you gave a few different strategies and when you first um, said that you were trying to get into it. It was basically to provide housing to um, people who are coming out of rehab. Is that one of the strategies that you use now? No, no. I, don't, no I don't use that anymore. So, so I have rented to people coming out of jail, people coming out of rehab, and I was also looking to do battered women too. Right. So now I have a nonprofit organization that um that I would like to do that with with the nonprofit 
you know, so I can make a whole house for them there. But as far as the money making uh, strategy and to make money, I, I deal strictly with folks who can pay, you know, a thousand dollars or more room. And, uh, and, and I also can put them in a place where they need to be so that they could do basically, uh, what they need to do for the time being. Because again, there's a housing shortage. There's so much of a shortage. Section eight, the government housing has now started to do vouchers for rooms. So they never did that before. Right. And I was going to circle back around because when I was looking for buildings to buy, I stumbled into what was set up as a rooming house. It doesn't make sense as anything else but a rooming house. And my realtor was like, be careful because you're going to have some issues. This was in the city of Philadelphia. She was like, you're probably going to have some issues getting a rental license. And I'm like, I don't know why. But then when I started doing some research in the government websites, rooming houses aren't recognized like you have to go and get a variance and they're rarely approved so i'm curious is to have you dealt with any cities that don't recognize rooming houses or or is how do you get around that i guess okay so in the city of atlanta where uh most of my 34 units are in the city of atlanta do you have um the law. The law is you can have up to six unrelated people living in one unit. All right. So the unit is defined as um, a duplex. A duplex is two units. It's not one. It's one building, but it's two units. So you can actually have 12 rooms and all together in that duplex. So that's more than enough for you to do what you're trying to do. Well, so that's the law. You can have up to six unrelated people living in a unit. So that is the law. Um, uh, let me tell you how I actually do this so um, people really understand. So you have to have systems in, 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 in place, right? So I got system and processes in place. I do not go collect money. My money comes to me electronically. I have a merchant account. So all the people and that's in the room, they pay me through a merchant account. If anything breaks, uh, plumbing, um, uh, carpentry, electrical, whatever, if anything breaks, then uh, the tenants will actually text a number that will come to one of my phones and I will look at it and see what's going on. I will go into my Rolodex. I will call the plumber, the electrician, whoever needs to go out there. They go out there, they see what the problem is, they take a picture of it. They send it back to me. They said, Jeff, this is going to cost you this amount. I said, okay, fine, go ahead and fix it. They go ahead and fix it. They take another picture showing it's fixed, and then I sell them the money. That's it. So that's how problems are taken care of. Um, when I'm looking for uh, particular tenants, Okay, so we got these different sites such as Furnish Finders uh, for nurses. Um, Craigslist actually is a is a good site, and then you have these corporate sites too, where people come in from corporations also just to rent rooms because they may come in like a um, uh, the bank auditors. What are they called? Financial. Um, oh, I forgot their name. I'm sorry, but the bank auditors they come in. And, and they, um, they audit banks and stuff. They stay for like a couple of months or so. Uh, doctors and nurses and people like that, they come in, they go to different hospitals. They stay for three to six months or what have you. So all of these different people come in and they rent from you and, and it's just a temporary thing. So, um, they come in, they pay, they're happy because you got everything in there for them. They don't have to pay any water, gas, electric. You got TV already in there for them if they need it. And and most of them, they come in, they sleep, and then they basically go back to work. So, so that when you're looking for properties, I guess, what are you looking for when you're finding these properties that would make good medium-term housing rentals? <sighs> 
So I'm looking for properties that, pardon me, I hear that. Oh, I said, because you said the two bedroom, one bath was messing up your point. Oh, yeah. It, two bedroom, one bath could work. Um, they could work now, but long time ago, they didn't work because it wasn't not enough room. They could work now, but I like more rooms. Um, long as the ratio is at least two rooms for one bathroom. You can't have three rooms for one bathroom. You can have at least two rooms for one bathroom. And of course, the ideal situation is to have maybe four rooms with four bathrooms. So everybody got their own bathroom. Okay. So what I look for is that right now. I look for a place that has uh, the bathroom is one-to-one. -one. If it has their own bathroom, like five-bedroom, five-bathroom, that's good. However, I look for something that's near a hospital, near a university, that's near downtown, or um, that's near a hospital, oh, or that's near the airport like you got. <laughs> Yeah, so those are those are places that I look in those areas because if they're close to that, especially for the airport, because flight attendants normally they don't have cars in these cities, so they're Ubering back and forth to the airport. So the closer you to the airport, the better. So your thing is is good. Yeah, I had not thought of that as a strategy. I was thinking like Airbnb. Um and I was because I'm I'm in the property insurance field. So when people have um, claims, like if they have a house fire, they'll usually go into that uh, medium term housing as well. The insurance company. That that uh, I say that is another that is another client. Yes, yes, that's another client. And construction workers are other clients. Construction workers come in and they're building these skyscrapers or what have you. They come in and they need a place to stay that's in the city because they may not live in the city. They may come from out of state to come in to get this work. And so they also move into those medium term rentals, too. OK, yeah. So that kind of shifted how I look. So when you said five bedroom, five bath, those are usually more like of the upscale houses, I guess. In my mind, when I use that rooming house, I'm thinking of the row houses that, you know, are, are Trenton, Newark, Philly, you know, we have yeah. large, large structures, but is that what you're looking for? Are you looking for more upscale? No, no, that's, that's what it used to be. Right. When I first started, when I first started, it was like that. Now, you know, I'm buying houses that are like in Atlanta, half a million dollars. You know what I'm saying? So I'm buying half a million dollars. So if you staying in a house half a million dollars that has, like, I have one under contract uh, just recently, seven bedrooms, six baths, $465,000, right? So my note will be somewhere around 3200 okay. okay? If I'm renting at least each room at least $1,000, then I'm getting $7,000 from that house. I'm paying $3,200, right? And, then and um, say I'm paying $800 in utilities, just okay. so I can round up the form. You may not be paying that much, but just say I'm paying that much in utility. So I'm paying basically four grand a month. I'm collecting at least seven grand a month. I'm making 36000 a year just off of that one property. I'm not punching a clock. I'm not doing anything else. I'm doing whatever I want to do. And and that's just it with that. I like that because one, I was thinking like of the um of the row homes, you know, like because they tend to have a lot of bedrooms, not a lot of bathrooms. You might have six bedrooms, one bathroom. Um, but yeah. you are actually finding nicer homes, like, you know, like neighborhood homes. Do the neighbors ever have a problem? Like, are, there, are they ever complaining? Like, oh, there's all these people living out of one house. 
do you have any, ever have any issues with people not wanting you to use this strategy? Yeah, well, I've been doing it a long time. So when I had the different people long time ago, the the um, the lower lower paying people, if you will, right. uh, you have problems from them. Like I said, because they always got some kind of issue that something is just not right, and you know, and and somebody may call the police on somebody. So somebody called the police, then the police come in something. Now, again, that was a long time ago. The strategy has totally changed now. Now the strategy is strictly hire um, clientele people. So if you got doctors, you got doctors, you got nurses, you got flight attendants, these people, like, they're not problem people. You know what I'm saying? You also have professionals, too. So professionals, because... Go ahead. Oh, you can finish. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say pro- professionals too, because some professionals live in the suburbs, but they work in the city. They don't want to do that commute back and forth, which might be an hour and a half or whatever uh, like that. Or just say, for instance, even where you at. If some people live in Philly, but they work in New York, Right. That's a commute going back and forth. So um, they rather stay where they work at and then just go home for the weekend, but stay somewhere, have a place there where they work at. And so uh, I just had a lady just come yesterday and look at one of my places, and that's what she wanted to do. You know, she stays out. She's a professional, but she said, Jeff, I need something in the city so I don't have to do this commute. And stuff, and so she's looking at getting a room, and this room is twelve hundred a month, and um, yeah, so no problem. So, are you using that Section Eight strategy? I know you said you're charging a lot more, but you did mention that they're now offering Section Eight vouchers for rooms. Are you using that at all, or you're just sticking? To I have not. I have not looked into it yet. I have not looked into it yet. I, I will look into it to see what they're paying and and seeing if I if that's going to be a strategy that I want to use. Um, I have heard of some other strategies. Um, there are some people that are like in the hotel industry that I just heard about yesterday that need rooms that come from out the country and and they pay like $900 a person and you can put two to four people in a room in bunk beds. Oh, because the hotel does not pay for them. Uh, They don't pay for them. And so I'm learning more. I just heard about this yesterday uh, from from one of the purple one of the people that's in the inner circle. So, so I was like, whoa. And they said, yes. They said, the first person I thought about was you. And so so they called me. I haven't, I'm going to call them today and find out. So even if I only put two people in a room, that's 1,800 a room. Room, that's, yeah, that's uh, amazing cash flow. Now I'm seeing where the new yes. thing comes from. Exactly. So, so let me give you an example. I have a duplex. It got five bedrooms, um, three baths. The very first one I bought, I think I've mentioned. I got five bedrooms, three baths upstairs. It was a three one upstairs, right? I changed it from a three one to a four two. So now it has four bedrooms and two bathrooms. I'm getting 5,600 for upstairs. I'm getting five thousand for downstairs, so the house is making me ten thousand three hundred dollars a month. And you probably bought it when price when the houses were. Oh, oh, absolutely! Matter of fact, I did refinance it. Um, I think last year I refinanced it, so my note is about three grand. Yeah, my note is three grand. My note is three grand a month, but I refinanced it, took the money out. And that's a very good point I need to bring up in one second. 
but took the money out and now I'm using that money to do other strategy to like buying houses. You don't have to get loans. You could buy houses subject to. So you familiar with subject to? I've heard of it. I'm not quite clear about it. Okay. So subject to is when, when you target what we call motivated sellers. So motivated sellers are people who have to sell. For one reason or another, they have to sell. Maybe they're getting a divorce or maybe they lost their job. Um, their income may have went down. Whatever it is, they cannot no longer make that rent, that mortgage payment. And so they just want to get out from that mortgage payment. But those type of people will actually just deed the property over to you, say, in a land trust. That's a different thing, but a land trust. They'll deed it over to you. You control the property. Right. And and then the mortgage stays in their name. So you make payments on the mortgage, but you own the property. So you could buy a subject to property for anywhere from two thousand to ten thousand. And you can get like a lot of equity in there, too, at the same time, because the people have already been paying on their mortgage. And so that's another strategy I used to pick up properties. But what I wanted to mention was this. A lot of people nowadays want to do rental arbitrage. Right. Well, you know, rental arbitrage, where is that you you actually rent somebody else's place out and then you rent it and you make the money from it like that and you pay your rent. Well, if you own the property, you don't have to worry about nobody kicking you out. See, because if you're making so much money from somebody else's property and they're watching you make this money, well, the idea is going to come into the head sooner or later. Well, why don't I just do that? I don't need them. They're the middle person, right? But if you own your own property, not only would you make the money, but you're also going to get the appreciation that's coming from their property. So later on, five years, six years, seven years, 10 years even, you can go ahead. Your property is going to go up in value. Then you just go ahead and refinance the property. You're making very good cash flow that's coming from the property. So you won't have a problem paying that that mortgage note that you refinance. Take the money and invest it in some other places. Yeah, because with your strategy, you're saying per property, you make about two to three thousand in profit. That's like an average what people could expect per month. In profit? Yeah, that's if I'm buying the property with a loan. Okay. If I'm not buying with a loan, I'm making 7000 or more a property. Like the one I, I gave you the example of. And I have another property. that I have another property, duplex. I'm making over $10,000 a month from it. It got six bedrooms downstairs, six bedrooms upstairs. I'm making over $10,000 a month from that particular property, and it has no mortgage at all. That was a subject to strategy you bought that with? No, I bought it with a loan a long time ago. But in 08, when things got real dicey and everything, and I lost a lot of properties, right. one of my neighbors came to me and said, Jeff, well, you know, um, my girlfriend, she got these properties and uh, she's going to be getting them free and clear. And I said, what? How? She said she found she did a thing called a cram down. I said, how you do that? She said she filed bankruptcy. I said, really? Because, you know, in 08, I had about, I don't know, probably about 70 units. I lost half the units in 08. When the, um, when the, you know, when the recession came. So, um, so I said, really? So that's what I did. I went to go file bankruptcy. The people told me, the lawyer said, no, you can't do it. Well, I never heard of that. But the neighbor told me it was possible. So I waited a couple of weeks. I called back again. I got somebody different. Oh, sure, you could do it. And that's what I did. So we did a cram down. I paid for the, all the properties for five years. After five years, the properties were all mine, free and clear. Yeah. You know, I remember you telling me that on the trip 
and I meant to circle back around because that's crazy. I'm sure they're not going to do that again. (laughs) Well, we got some stuff coming up next year. Next year, we got some stuff coming up. Interest rates are going up. Property values are going down. So now is not the time for you to try to fix and flip. See, that's another thing that people are coming to what they call now medium-term rentals. They're coming to that because now, again, there are no properties out there for people to rent. They're just not. There's a shortage, right? So, so much, I didn't tell you this part. They have something called an ADU, accessory dwelling unit. That is like a tiny house. It could be a tiny house or whatever. In Atlanta, you could put an accessory dwelling unit in your backyard and rent it out. (laughs) So a tiny house or, or some little accessory dwelling unit attached to your property, not attached, but you know, in your backyard or whatever, on your property, you could put that there and rent it out. And you can rent out Section 8. That's why I need to look in to see what Section 8 are paying for that. Because there's a housing shortage. And not only is there a housing shortage, Sabrina, Atlanta is actually unaffordable. Right. I remember I was in a seminar, in a multifamily seminar uh, a couple of years ago. A gentleman from New York said Atlanta is about to become like New York. He said, what I mean by that is this. You are going to need a roommate in order to rent an apartment in Atlanta. We are there right now. Apartments in Atlanta, one bedrooms are like $2,200. Right, yeah. So when you look at my $1,500 for a room, which has everything in it, and you don't have to pay no utilities or anything else, and it's clean, it's safe, it's convenient. That's the reason why people pay fifteen hundred for a room instead of an apartment. Because you're talking about twenty two hundred. Then you know they got the trash fee, they got the parking fee, they got the um, um, electric, water, gas, all of that. So you probably end up paying about twenty seven, twenty eight hundred a month. To live in a complex, whereas you're buying these nice single family homes that are, you know, like the American dream. You're living in a, a regular house, like a, a suburban house or a single family house. Yes. Um, yes. Wow. Or or you can or you can buy you a, a quadruplex, triplex, duplex and, you know, have the same the same mixture. Long as, you know, the key is. To getting more money, the key is designing it so that it looks very well. And so people are like, I can do this, you know, because you're changing people's perception right. of row homes, <laughs> of row homes in Philly and Trenton. <laughs> you're changing their perception because when they see this, they're like, oh my God, that's what a room looks like? And, you know, and they come in and, you know, it's like, yes. And so, yeah, that's that's the difference. Well, that's a really, really good, like you said, niche strategy where in my calculations, my rough calculations, if you have about four of these properties, that's a six-figure side hustle. That's, hey, that's the name of the podcast, isn't it? <laughs> That's the name of the podcast. What you need to get there. So um, that's definitely doable for a lot of people who, you know, the traditional route, a lot of people are only cash flowing two to $400 per door. But you're like, you far surpassed that. You're making like three to 4000 per per unit. So per door, actually, because then you're breaking the doors down. Um, So I love it. I know um, everyone's going to be rushing to, uh, you know, look for the properties around the airports, universities, um, hospitals. Is there another one? Yeah. Universities, hospitals, airports, 
Um, downtown too. Yeah. Downtown. Yeah. Because downtown. Another reason why this works real well too, because the Airbnb market is starting to suffer in certain cities. So for instance, I just, I just was on a call yesterday, uh, uh, with a gentleman who wants to get in my mentorship. He's in DC because he says in DC, Jeff, I was doing real well with Airbnbs. But now they got these laws that you can't have. You need a license for every single Airbnb you have, and you can't have more than two. Right. That's because the Airbnb has to be in your home. Right. And I know Atlanta so, did something, and Philly also did something. So I feel like it's more to do with the hotel industry having absolutely than absolutely. Anything concerns but yeah if you were making a hundred thousand dollars and you have especially if you were doing rental arbitrage because mm -hmm. now you have all these leases where it was profitable but now what do you do or you go through a pandemic you know where no one can travel i i was always a little skeptical about doing straight airbnb just you know it just seemed a little risky because these cities are just yeah, so if you bought 10 properties with that strategy, what do you do with those properties? Mm -hmm. only Absolutely. You you need to change them to medium-term rentals. There you go. <laughs> short to medium, and it sounds like you kind of be cash-flowing more doing less work. Because with Airbnb, you got to let the people in, make sure they're not having parties, make sure that the unit is clean and turned over. You know, there's a lot of in between work uh, that goes. Mm -hmm. This is kind of like more. Once you're in, people are gonna stay for several months to, you know. Mm -hmm. And and Sabrina, I do need to tell you this too. Part of the strategy also for me to have this on autopilot right. is that I use digital locks on all the doors. So all the doors got digital locks. So people see, cause I've been doing this a long time. People lose keys and people lock themselves out of rooms and all of that type of stuff. So I went to digital locks yeah. with the digital locks. Well, you got a number, boop, 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 boop. You just pump it, you get in. Now, if I got an issue or whatever with someone and I'm trying to contact, they're not hitting me back. Well, I just go ahead and take that number out. They can't get in. So now they have to contact me to let me know what's going on or what have you or whatever like that. But it sets up your thing on autopilot. So you got digital locks for everybody to get in. You got everybody paying by um, uh, uh, electronically, right, through the merchant account. If any kind of maintenance issues come up, then you got maintenance people basically on standby who are going to go there and take care of it. So uh, the other thing is thermostats, because when you got more than one person in the house, somebody's hot, somebody's cold. Well, the thermostats also set up on Wi-Fi, too. So I can control the thermostat from anywhere in the world. Right. So the thermostats work that all absolutely the same way, too. So everything works electronically. Everything is set up on autopilot. That's why I can go around the world and do whatever I want to do because I'm not worried about that, period. Because anything happens, I just get on my phone, boom, 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 take care of that or whatever. You need to pay me. You go to merchant account. You pay me through there. Um, any kind of issue with keys, whatever, there's nobody running to no Home Depot to get keys made. No, we're just going to go ahead and change the code or what have you to get in and out. That's how you run medium-term rentals on autopilot, and that is truly a hands-off six-figure side hustle. Mic drop. Um, well, I'm excited um, because now I'm going to go try to find my first medium. Well, we're working on one now, um, but this has motivated me um, to look in other areas. Um, so, yeah, you definitely changed how I was looking at this rooming house. I'm like, he's going to come on here and have me in the hood. 
Now you can do it a little but but hood people take a little bit more uh, management. <laughs> yeah. Right. Not that I have a problem, but they're more pay by the week and you know. Whoa, 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 whoa. You never ever wanna do pay by the week. Okay? I've been doing this twenty two years. I started off by doing weekly payments. Let me tell you the one thing that you probably know, but I'm going to tell you anyway, that came up. When it came time to pay rent, they always said, the people who didn't want to pay said the same thing. Hey, listen, I don't have it this week. I'm going to double up next week. They always said that same thing. So, and plus weekly is just too much. It's too much. So monthly, you're good. Monthly, you don't have to worry about any Airbnb loss because you're monthly. You're doing 30 days. You're not doing week to week. See, the short-term rentals are the people that have the problem with the Airbnb loss because it's a short-term rental. And that's what they're trying. Well, the hotel them paid these folks to, to say, listen, we don't need Airbnb in the city. You know, so yeah, so that's another thing. So you don't want to do weekly. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. You don't want to do weekly because weekly, week, and then weekly people have a temporary mindset. So they don't care. They'll come in and do whatever. They'll stay for a week. If they can get a week or two for free, they'll stay and then they'll go somewhere else where they're doing uh, uh, weekly and they'll do the same thing there. And then weekly people, you don't know what they're up to. Monthly people, yeah. Do you do you collect a security deposit versus less security? Um, it depends. It depends on on what property they're in. Like if they're in a, a real nice property, um, I'm definitely collecting a security deposit. Um, if they're in like a um, say eight hundred a month type property or whatever, um, they don't necessarily have money for security deposit. So I collect like a application fee, like a $100 um, administration fee, not application, administration fee. I collect $100 and um, I don't collect a security deposit or anything um, from those type of people. But I'm, that may be changing, though. That may be changing. Yeah, that may be changing. All right. Well, I know you got a lot to, to get done. You're always on the move. Um, so mm -hmm. let us get started with the Rainmaker Round. I got a few questions. All right. <laughs> the Rainmaker Round. Okay. Rainmaker Round. So I love this question because I get to always pick people's brains. Um, what is the last conference you attended and what's the biggest gem you learned? Hmm. I was just at a conference. I was just at two conferences. Let me see. I was at the Path to Prosperity in Miami, but then I just think, was I at a conference last week? Okay, we're going to go with Path to Prosperity in, in Miami. Um, and one of the biggest gems that I learned from that particular conference was to set your business up organizationally like correct meaning is it going to be an LLC is it going to be a C corp a S corp or whatever but get it set up so that uh, the taxes that you are trying to avoid paying <laughs> is set up properly you know so so that your accountant you know talk with your accountant and everything and see how to set up your um your corporations when you first starting bishop td jake said that also another gym was do it now whatever's in your mind do it now do not procrastinate do not delay just get out there and do it now as you know as our mentor says do it now figure out the rest later right yeah he definitely does do the run the play with no delay Yes. Um, what book are you reading? Um, what book? Am I reading a book? 
I'm not reading a book right now. Okay. I am actually doing some things um, on the internet. I'm looking at some uh, different ways to do what I'm already doing um, on the internet. So I'm I'm kind of uh, researching uh, more of how to get more different clients for my medium-term rental. So I'm not reading the book right now. That's okay. Um, so give yourself a piece of advice um, that you wish you knew when you started this uh, six-figure side hustle. Hmm. The advice I would have given myself would have been just move without fear. Don't fear what I'm doing. Just move without fear. In other words, what we just said earlier, do it now, figure out the rest later. Instead of trying to make everything perfect, as my man says, uh, Derek Harper, perfect is uh, done is better than perfect. And perfect is never done. So when you try to make things perfect, you just take too much time and it doesn't get done. But just go ahead and do it now. Move without fear. There is no fear. And trust God that it's going to work out. And, And that is the main thing for me. Everything that I do, I trust God, you know, I might make some decisions that might be calculated, but now the decisions I make, they are calculated, but I can't do them myself. Only God can do them. And if I don't have God to do it, it won't happen. So, you know, so now that's why I've all of a sudden got all the big dreams or I had big dreams before, but now. I'm actually accomplishing them. So, so that's hopefully that answered the question. Yeah, for sure. And um, yeah. where can we follow you at? Um, and where can we, I know you mentioned you have a mentorship. I know you got a couple books out. Um, if people want to tap in and get the exact play-by-play, I know you shared a lot of sauce today, but I know there's mm-hmm. a lot more that you have to teach that you can't fit in, you know. Yeah. So. Absolutely. So on IG, I'm at Cashflow Jeff. Um, on Facebook, I think I'm, I'm on TikTok at Cashflow Jeff. <laughs> I just got a TikTok. Um, I'm on Facebook at Jeff Milligan. I'm on YouTube at Cashflow Jeff. And uh, if you want to get into my, I got eBooks with audio books and workshop, recorded workshops and those things. And I also do a mastermind. Uh, That information is at Jeff, no, at cashflowjeff.com. And um, yeah, cashflowjeff.com, you go there. And I also have a mentorship too. You can DM me on any of those social uh, media sites and jump on the call with me free of charge and and we could talk about, you know, what you're trying to do and see how I can help you to get to where you're trying to go. And, um, yeah, that's it, man. Yeah, Let's I get it. Let's that, make it happen. That mentorship is an amazing opportunity to go from where you are now to six plus figures in this hands-off business. Um, those those, if you've looked into research at all, or if you've been to any of the real estate courses, they're not talking about these margins at all. Like this is phenomenal. So make sure you get plugged in, get the play. Uh, I would love to have a mentor in this just so you're buying the right property that will work for this strategy. So make sure you follow Cashflow Jeff. Um, Jeff, thank you so much. I know it was quite a journey getting you here. So I do uh, your dedication yes. to this information with my audience. I truly do. 
Thank you so much again, Sabrina, for having me. And you're absolutely right. If you want a niche in real estate where that you can make thousands of dollars instead of hundreds of dollars, then definitely tap in with me. And um, I, I appreciate you. It was a journey, but you know what? That's what we have, that never give up attitude. And that never give up attitude will get you the, definitely where you want to go. And I just want to leave your audience with this one thing, two things. One is make the rest of your life the best of your life. And the other one is if your mind can conceive it and your heart can believe it, then you can achieve it. If you fail, you only fail because you gave up. So guess what, family? If you never give up, you'll never fail. Thank you so much. With that, that, this has been another episode of the Six Figure Side Hustle podcast. Make sure you like, subscribe, and tune in to the next episode. Be great. Oh, thank you. Peace. This has been an Alive podcast production.